Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada. December 28th, and it's stormy out. December 28th, 2.20. Today, I will have you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And today's lesson from God through Paul is who and what you praise determines your future now. Determines your future for tomorrow and your eternal future. But first, please consider this podcast and the Companion Chapel Worldwide Ministry is brought to you by your generous donations. Go to CompanionChapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, or PayPal, or e-transfer to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry here in Ontario, Canada. In fact, it's located at number 338, Side Road 28-29, Sogging Shores, that's S-A-U-G-E-E-N, Shores, Ontario, Canada, N-O-G-2-G-O. Please support just by emailing me at companionchapel at gmail.com with your questions or comments, or you could call 519-706-8876. Now, please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And there's a lot of noise today. That's because this house gets shaken by the wind, and the wind's just blasting, and it's snowing or something out there. And I have to use a propane light because I don't have any electricity here, no hydro. But I'm not complaining, believe me. Verse 4, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. There was nothing stopping Paul. He didn't hesitate. And as it's written in Revelation chapter 3, God doesn't like people that hesitate. To be hot or be cold. And Paul did not hesitate. And he always gives credit. Receive mercy. That's unmerited favor. He received mercy as his reassurance of where his eternal soul was going and that what he was doing meant something. And he risked his life constantly. He's going to say more about that but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Now, this word dishonesty means something here. It means shame. Okay, now Paul talked a lot about fornication uh, earlier in the Bible when he was answering a letter to Chloe for this Corinth. But, uh, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth and this word isn't commending, it is uh, of the truth strengthened ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now I always go into the manuscripts to check out everything first and this word is strengthened. He didn't commend himself. He wasn't looking for a pat on the back. It wasn't a big flattery show like look at me. He was a humble servant and craftiness that's like going around and everything you do is thinking about yourself. What's in it for me? That's not Paul. That's not the way of God. God's ways of gain are by giving. Uh, the devil's ways of t- gain are by taking. The manifestation of truth. That's right. The manifestation of truth. That's glorying to the cross. Because Christ did not compromise with evil and validated a kingdom of truth, a kingdom of righteousness for you. That's why when people say, or when someone says, he died on the cross for you, and that perplexed me for many years. I just didn't, what do you mean he died on the cross for me? And now that's now you know. He set up a kingdom of peace beyond our present comprehension. It's valid because even in the most excruciating circumstances, 
Christ did not compromise with evil. You think he couldn't have got down off that cross and just drop kicked everybody? Easily. No, he had to validate that kingdom. Satan was there and he was watching. He's going, I'm going to put this guy up on that cross. You watch. Sinless, blameless. No corruption was found in him. Right to the bitter end. In extrusionating, humiliating circumstances. He did that for us. And it validated the kingdom that he set up. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Yeah, because people that are lost, a lot of them don't even want to hear it. They've made up their own minds. Their egotism has come up with the, I'm a good person, I've lived a good life, I have my religion, you have yours. Or they believe in something like, this is really sad, and this is a personal story, but someone that I love dearly, and their religion's Buddha. And let me tell you something. All Buddha's done, that fat Michelin man, God of theirs, with no shirt on, like, put a shirt on, buddy. Um, his house isn't a disaster. He couldn't have got more of God's blessings and mercies if he had even dreamed of it growing up as a kid. Giant house, right on the escarpment. I'm talking two perfect kids. Healthy, smart, bright, beautiful wife. No, they don't have the doctrine, the, the principles of God in that household. And it is a disaster. It's falling apart. And what a sad thing. They couldn't have asked for anything more of the material world. Even give them a million dollars. So it would never be enough. We want, want more. Wanting more. But this is about, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And here's the explanation of that. In whom the God, that's Satan, of this world, he's the prince of the air as it's written, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's right. Because it's blinded them through temptation. They see the ways of the world and they see the material gain and they see money and they think they have entitlement and they just go for it, thinking they have more entitlement to more stuff, to being treated better, treated a certain way, putting expectations on people. That's what Satan does. He just plays a snare drum, he plays the whole band in your mind. You deserve more. You need more. You deserve to look better. Go get some plastic surgery. Go get some Botox done. You have to look better. More stuff. Okay, and here's, here's the reason. Satan does this for fear the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He's trying to block that from these people. He tries to block that from everybody, and we all are sinners. We all compromise with evil, and we just try our best not to. If you take on this, you want the image of God in you. But who is the image of God? Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Five, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Paul puts it out there. This is a natural order of things. Paul try, doesn't try to overstep the natural order of things in the Christian many-member body. Recognize who you are. If you're just a newbie, then you hushy and you learny. Okay? Someone's up there trying to teach you. And Paul says, I'm a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ and a servant to every human being on the planet. And like myself, I'm your servant and I pray for everybody on the planet equally. I want everybody to repent and be all of us singing for joy in front of our Father again someday, as it was written in Job 38. So he doesn't go around preaching about himself. He teaches about Christ the Lord and the cross. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like. Now, we're using this word in the face again, and 
it'll shine on your face. You can tell. Uh, I was a preacher in the park before I came here, and I was a preacher, street preacher, and you could see in people's faces when I was trying to hand out crosses. But some people loved it, and they loved to have some questions for me, and I could answer their questions right then and there. Anything cover to cover in the Bible, I'll give you an answer. I'll get back to you on email. But the people that, oh, I have my religion, you have yours, or I went to church, I read the Bible. Do you know what it says in there? I do. And people would have this look on their face, and there was nothing in their eyes. It's like Dead Sea. It's like there was just like something missing. I like a darkness, like they carried a shroud, like they carried a veil, as it said in the last chapter. And it's a sad thing. You pray for these people, even though a lot of them lashed out at me. I could care less. But I pray for them. I say, listen, you want inner peace? This is the one way to inner peace. If I gave you a million dollars right now, you'd go blow it and you want another million. Don't you think otherwise? The light of knowledge. You pray for these things. You pray for the spirits that the Lord has out there. And you pray, if we could just have even the smallest margin of your wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength, and your love to come into our hearts. My Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We can have this in our hearts if you want. That the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We don't amount to a hill of beans. All the philosophy, all the religions, that's just what you believe in. I don't even like calling Christianity a religion. And the word Christianity has kind of lost all its value. It's been watered down. But... True Christianity is not a religion. It's a reality. It's a fact. Everything written in the Bible is coming to pass to the letter. And you can have that in your heart. The, the knowledge, the comfort. He is our comforter as it's written. He is our teacher, our master, our rabbi, our comforter, our wonderful counselor. Okay, so, uh, eight. We are troubled on every side, yet not. Okay, before I read this, check out the figures, figure of speech here. And the word not. Okay, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, that's pretty straightforward. When you go out there and you're a Christian, like all of a sudden you're going to notice if you're born again, all your friends are going to be like, uh, yeah, about this. Um, are you going to be coming drinking with us anymore? Are you going to be coming out, um, you know, doing the things we do, talking about women or the opposite sex in rude ways around the pool table and having all these uh, just vain communications? Like, it's good to joke around with your buddies, but let's, let's where, where it comes down to it, what's on your face now? You want the Spirit of the Lord on your face as it's written. The treasures of the earth and vessels inside you. You'll find that this that the prisons of sensual lust are now closed. You're not going to sit there with 19 pages of porn open while, you're, while, while your family's in the other room. You're not going to sit there and, and wanting more and having entitlement feelings and thinking you deserve it. You just humble yourself. So he was troubled on every side. And now, look, the words in the manuscripts for cast down and destroyed are so emphatic. Cast down is catable. And that's used of vain. Uh, it's used of void and without form. God created the, in the beginning, God created the earth. It doesn't say when. It was obviously billions of years ago. Like this place, this planet's ancient. Then the earth became void and without form. That means there was nothing. He wiped the planet, all life out, 
by an Earth age and sci- or an ice age, and science has proved that that he froze out the planet. Okay, and it's like even off, it's like um, true north. It's even tilted ten degrees another way, and we know by our explorations of scientists and geologists that the planet was much different before the Earth age, before the catabole, before the utter destruction of all life on the planet because they pull up tropical plants and animals that don't belong in the great white north right up out of the when they're drilling for oil and stuff like that or when they're doing explorations or whatever geologists do dig archaeologists okay so that's the word cast down and destroyed is a polyon that means uh, outer destruction that's satan's name a polyon just destruction 10 always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body yeah the dying of the flesh he died on the cross he laid down his life he wasn't murdered this was all this wasn't something that just happened this was all prophecy coming to pass to the letter he did not compromise with evil he in thought and intent and in action, Jesus Christ, our Lord God, was the only one worthy. He was found worthy. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. He did not sin. He was brutally nailed to the cross. Just think about that for a minute. Like the cross is a symbol of affliction and utter torture. And there he was. He got nailed to the cross and not one thought or intent, even when they pounded those railroad spikes through his feet, and held his hands and pounded him through his hands. He did not, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He did not compromise with evil. And you can just imagine Satan just fuming about that. Because by him not compromising with evil, validated the kingdom of heaven, which he set up. And that's what we bear about in the body of the dying of Jesus Christ. We always pay homage to that act. And that is why when you look, to, it's 220, 2,000 years ago, this guy, Jesus Christ, manifests himself a little lower than the angels, the righteous right arm of Yahweh, our Father. And now today, 2,000 years later, you can't drive anywhere through any town in Canada or United States, and probably all through Europe, I've never been there, without seeing a cross. It doesn't matter what shingle they have on there, Catholic, Protestant, uh, Trinity or uh, Anglican or Baptist, you know what I'm saying. You see a cross in your sight every single day. That's because people know. doesn't matter how you want to deny it. People know this was the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our God. 10. Always bearing about the... Okay. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul is not going to compromise this doctrine to please people, and either should you. It says in the last page of the Bible, it says you cannot add or take away anything that is written. So just because it's not convenient for some people, we're just going to read over that. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people in the in the congregation today that might get offended by this. We're going to read over that. And let's just uh, say the catchphrases here. You know, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and just believe upon Him and you'll have eternal life. There's a lot of conditions to that. And you have to abide by the conditions. Christ came in the volume of the book. He came not to change one jit or jot of the law or the prophets. He fulfilled. 
He fulfilled prophecy and gave us freedom from the yoke of ceremonial law, but every other law stands. 12. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. This should read, so death worketh at us. Satan is always going to come at you. And that's the last verse. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Satan is always tempting us. And once you put on this Christian veil, you're going to find, hey, I'm getting tempted more. Or I'm finding these trials more. That's at first. Then you don't find those things tempting anymore. When you go out and realize, hey, Jesus Christ gives me the basic necessities of life and his love is in my heart. What else do I possibly need or want? Those things don't seem tempting anymore. But Satan's always going to come at you. Through people, through demons, devils, evil spirits. He just dances on everybody else's head all around you. And you might find yourself wanting to be, a, you know, find yourself a many-membered body for security, for comfort. And that's why you have to always acknowledge your gift that God gave you. And you have to jump on it. You can't hesitate. Don't sit there and hesitate. Look, you know, I'm not going to support this ministry and, and consider your bank account. God will give you double back in blessings. And in the love of Christ in your heart is the greatest blessing that you will ever feel. And you'll just look around that there's nothing I want. Ask and you shall receive. And that's what that means. Doesn't mean, hey, God, can you clean up my visa here? God, I want to shoot me 10 grand. Hey, God, I'm driving too fast here. Can you get this copper off my tail? Hey, God, this ship I'm on is going down. Do you mind uh, just uh, lifting it up for me? Come on. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. Mankind makes all these situations. God gave us everything, and mankind just makes a disaster out of it. Look what mankind's done to planet Earth. Look what mankind does to each other. The human rights atrocities around the world are just out of control. That's from the evil one. That's from Satan. All human suffering and all evil comes from the human heart. And God knows how much affliction you need to humble for the eternity. So when things are going bad, you give you give thanks to God. He's trying to get your attention. That's a true father. He allows you. Or how are you ever going to learn? How would you ever learn? If you, say, say for me here, uh, 2007, May 24th, hat on backwards, couple beers, driving around this property on an ATV. I went right over the escarpment, right over the edge into the river. Guys measured it, said it was over a 30-foot jump through the trees into the water. All I remember is gurgle, 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 and I got my butt up. It was God's, hey, 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 Jesus boy there, why didn't God, uh, you know, turn your ATV to the one side or to the other side? And uh, well, how are you ever going to learn? Am I ever going to ride around with a couple beers, my hat on backwards and have, have some ATV pegged? I had to think for two weeks. It cost me seven grand and it was destroyed. Like it literally pancaked. My uh, hip bone smashed into my rib cage and I still, f I still have a sore back to this day. And that was 2007. I got out of there, you know, young and all whatever but it was a close call but yeah god is gonna know let you know hey look at look at stupid michael there just flying on his atv like he thinks he owns the place and then right over the edge right over this right over the sogging bluffs right into the right into the water now you know if i didn't have it pegged i would have just tipped forward but the but the atv launched that's not funny but god knows how much affliction we need done before the eternity he knows you want to walk in the ways of sin. You want to walk in the ways of sensual lust. You want, you want to walk in the ways of entitlement. They're going to let you down every single time. You want to be possessive about money. It, money's going to let you down. It's the root of all evil. It'll let you down every single time. Oh, it might seem good for a bit, but you just watch and wait. Okay, so 
So then death worketh in us, at us, but life in you. Yeah, death is going to come at us. Satan's name is death. Satan is just a descriptive term for adversary, and death is what he is. Death, when he drags hell behind him, as it's written in the fourth seal, he just, there he is, that picture of a Dead Sea guy on a pale horse, and that's death, and he's dragging hell behind him. Hey, you want to join him? He's got a lot of temptations there. They all look good. Many ways seemeth right unto man, but in the end, their death. 13. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed, and therefore I have spoken. Yeah, don't be hushy. You get that from Psalms 116. You, you speak it up. You be proud of it. You don't hide it. And we also believe, and therefore we speak. If you believe, speak up. Don't be ashamed. If you're, if you're Remember what it's written in the Bible? If one, Jesus Christ said, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to tell Father that you are ashamed. You make it public. You make it known. You use your gift. Don't worry about what people think. What they think is vain and void. It means nothing. It means less than nothing. 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Okay, we're going to get raised just like Jesus Christ got raised. We're going to die and we're all going to die very soon. Like could happen tomorrow. Fate won't negotiate. No matter how big of a star you think you are, you're going to die. A couple years, a couple decades, whoopie do. As far as the affairs of time is concerned, it's just a vapor of time. Have your spiritual body ready because the way the Lord raised up Jesus, Jesus is going to raise us up and present us as the bride and you better be clean inside and out. Don't be carrying any guile, no malice, no corruption in you or entitlement. Because when you get there in front of your maker, there's no negotiating. It's yay or nay. And that is the most refreshing thing in the world. That people that are carrying the things of the ways of the world, any guile, malice, any hatred, any anything that is of the darkness. You can't say, well, I was a good person, Jesus. Hey, J Jesus, you don't understand. My circumstances made me do these things. Too bad. 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound, that's uh, renovated to the glory of God. Okay, that first needs some work, that's for sure. For all things are for your sakes. Okay, you can pick the ways of the world or you can pick uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his ways that did not compromise with evil and the rewards thereof. That the abundant grace, the grace is unmerited favor. You give thanks for the mercies and blessings. You don't deserve anything. Through the thanksgiving of many, rebound, re redound to the glory of God. That's re renovated, made strengthened. You make yourself strong. You think about your spiritual body. And we're going to hit on that here in the next three verses. For which cause we faint not. Paul was no whip, man. He went in there. He knew. Last time he went into Ephesians, there was a riot. He just walked right back in. They left him for dead. Imagine sitting there getting stones thrown at you, getting dragged out to the edge of town, and just people laying the boots to you. And then, hey, he's dead. Just leave him here. Not even a burial. And then he popped back up to life. Uh, the, his bros were there, and they brought him back. It didn't even phase him. It did in his older years. He said, uh, I think I'll just stick here and send out some letters because uh, I don't know how many more beatings I can take. You know, you know he's better than uh, sitting in jail somewhere or dead. 16, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter how much Botox you get or how much surgery you get. It means nothing. It's so vain and void. Like, you're going to get old and saggy. Whoopie-doo, you're in the flesh. Who do you think you are? Who are you trying to impress? How fake? How phony? God doesn't like that. Read it. Your outward man is going to perish. Your body's going to get old. Like, so what if you look gaunt or if you have stringy hair or whatever? Like, you're going to sag and get old. Love the person on the inside. Look at others through God's eyes. When you see superficial people, pray for them. Like, thinking they have pretty privilege is a curse. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Yet your spiritual body grows stronger and stronger. And you have confidence. Nothing phases you. You have no anxieties, no worries, no fears. People that get the surgeries done, they're full of anxieties and worries and fears. What are other people going to think? I have to look prettier. I want to get a better person. Better people aren't pretty people. If you're pretty, yeah, good, great. You're nice to look at. God made some pretty people. And he made some not pretty people. Who cares? You look at people through God's eyes. 15, 17. For our light affliction, but or which is but for a moment worketh for us as far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Well, Paul even downplays what he's went through. The guy got, they mopped the floor with this guy everywhere he went. He just calls it light affliction because he compares it to the glory that's waiting for them in heaven. The weight of that glory, the eternal glory is far more exceeding. Well, we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's right. You close your flesh eyes and open your spiritual eyes. You say your prayers. You read your Bible. You find a teacher. You support that teacher. And you don't spend money on vain things like, my car's got to be much more fancier than that car. I need all these little extra buttons. Or my cell phone needs extra things. Or I need to buy the best clothes. I have to have the best hairdo compared to what? Hollywood, the most miserable place on planet Earth? Come on. It's a fantasy. They're hypocrites, man. There's standards that the multimedia sets up for people to look at in their flesh eyes are fake. And you know it. What's real, what's true, what will give you inner peace and security and certainty is written in the councils of eternity by a reason resolve of a higher power. And that's the love of Christ, the love of our Father. He doesn't leave us out in the cold. He doesn't, he told us all things. Oh, the pandemic. I keep getting emails about the pandemic. Why, what's God doing? Why does he think about this? Why doesn't he just get rid of the pandemic? He told us this would happen. Jesus Christ told us, Mark 13, Matthew 24, the first six seals, the first four seals and four trumps, I should say. Deception, wars and rumors of wars. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. The famine, the famine in the end time is for hearing the truth. Turn on your radio or turn on the TV. What do you hear? Analysis, speculators, people trying to give their opinion, my educated opinion. I'm an expert in the field. Well, I'd already said there'd be a famine of truth and what follows famine, pestilence. And pestilence is just another word for pandemic. And I hope you enjoyed that. That was Second Corinthians chapter 4. What a great chapter that was. Paul's always teaching gets divine inspiration, not man's imagination. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you very much. My name is Mike. This is a Companion Chapel. 
please send me an email at companionchapel at gmail.com with your thoughts or comments and questions. I love answering people's questions. I turn them into a blog at companionchapel.info. I have companionchapel.com, which is a mess of a website. If you know how to make it better, please do that if that's your gift. If you know how to get this podcast out, please share this podcast. That doesn't cost you anything to share and to like. And even like, what's 10 bucks? Give me 10 bucks? Not to me. I don't want anything. If you see, come here, you'll see there's nothing I want or need. But it'd be nice to have Hydro on the internet so I didn't have to go to town and uh, try and upload these from the coffee shop, which is now closed. So I'm not even sure I'm going to how to upload these videos or um, I should say podcasts. And if you don't know how to make these podcasts, get out there to more people. You're helping more people. You're part of the many member body. So do that by whatever way you can to support this support this ministry. And I like to do video podcasts here with my little doggy, my little papillon, who I love so much. Lana Del Rey, my little papillon, makes me so happy. And the two of us would like to do video podcasts of these things. If you know how to do that or set it up, please help. My name is Mike. This is the Companion Chapel. Contact me through email, companionchapel at gmail.com. Listen, I do this because I love you. I might not love what you're doing, and I've never even met you before, but I know God loves all souls. He made us all for his glory, his joy, for his pleasure. Uh, Thank you very much. Have a great day, and bye for now.